This episode of 1v1, the creator interview series, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support this show and the Boss Rush Media family of podcasts, head over to patreon.com slash bossrushmedia or search for us on the Patreon app on your smart device. Thanks for helping us build something better. everybody. My name is Stephanie, uh, one of your hosts here for the Boss Rush podcast with a special episode of 1v1 with the developers from Miro Studios, Yuha and Kim. Welcome. Thank you so much. Oh, Glad nice to, to be, be here. here. Yes, <clears throat> I know we uh, I got to know you a little bit via email and before we started recording, but why don't you tell the audience uh, where you guys hail from? Uh, because again, I, I expressed my gr- gratitude for you recording. Um, it's one o'clock here on the East Coast of the United States, but for you guys, it's eight o'clock. Yeah, that's right. You go ahead. Yeah, we are we are here at Finland, <laughs> 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 basically uh, Helsinki, Helsinki, Helsinki area, the oh, capital area. Oh, that's what. Helsinki is one of the well many places that is on my list to travel. I hear it's very beautiful. People are very happy there, and just a lot of wonderful things I hear, and it's on my bucket list. Yeah, it's a great place for sure. Yeah, you should you should come and visit. It's a it's a it's a great place to live. I would say. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of my, uh, I'm just going to completely uh, ask you an offshoot question. So I'm a big food person. So whenever I travel, like I, Switzerland, uh, Germany, Italy, China, Taiwan, like every time I go somewhere, I primarily focus on the food that I may not be able to get in, in, in you know, America. What's something that you would recommend that's a specialty over in Finland? Uh, I would say Karelian pie. Do you, have you heard of Karelian pie? No, I haven't. T- explain what it is. <laughs> okay, so it's called Karelian pie. And what it is, it's basically like rice porridge wrapped in a rye dough. So it's kind of like a pastry, but not really. And then the highlight is that you, on top of it, you add like a bunch of egg butters. <laughs> and what egg butter is, is exactly what it sounds like. You just have butter and egg and you mix it together. And that's kind of the Karelian pie on the bottom is almost like an excuse to be shoving egg butter in your face. Yeah, <laughs> that's what makes things delicious. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Now I'm hungry. I probably shouldn't have asked that question, <laughs> but thank you for uh, entertaining me there. So again, this is... <laughs> 1v1. Uh, We do record these on occasion when we have the opportunity to speak with content creators, developers, publishers. I recently had an interview with Guillaume at uh, Dear Villagers Publishing. I made a lot of connections at PAX East. 
Um, and that's where I actually got to demo Doomblade, which we'll get into later. But I know that's your baby and we'll get, get into that. Um, so th that's how I have stumbled upon, you know, you guys. And I wanted to get to know you, get to know your game, your process. Because personally, out of the whole Boss Rush community, I am a huge fan of indie games. I like supporting um, smaller developers. I, I am a big Zelda fan, Nintendo, but other than yeah. that, kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have you have beautiful stuff. Yes. I have a holy chunk. <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. I don't know about that because some some of my family and parents would call this junk. Unfortunately. Oh no! That's yeah, so they cool. don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I mean, that's shield. What I want that. Yeah, so they don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't know. They're missing out. Again, uh, the Majora's Mask. Yes, Majora's Mask. So quick history, if you don't mind. Um, I got to show my son, he is seven now, so maybe like a year mm -hmm. ago, uh, the Oc Ocarina of Time. And so he got to understand Zelda. And then ever since then, I didn't even make him for Halloween every year. I want to be Link for Halloween. I want to be Link for Halloween. <laughs> so nice. I would dress up with him. At first I was Zelda, but I didn't want to be a princess anymore. So what... <laughs> One year I was Fi or Fee from Skyward Sword, and another year I was Skull Kid, and I wore that mask for Halloween. Oh, nice. that's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So um, why don't we just get started, please? Um, I know it's a very generalized statement, but tell me about you guys. Tell me about your history with game development, um, how you guys got to know each other, and how you got started. Kim, go ahead. Oh, this time it's me first. Okay, well... <laughs> For game no development, I don't, I don't have a history as long as you have. So I've been making games professionally only in one company, and that is Moro Studios. Mm -hmm. We've been around, what, almost 10 years, but not quite. I, I think I think we founded it in 2015, spring. So that, what does it yeah. mean? Eight years? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're and coming uh, upon a major milestone. Congrats. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, still, still, still alive. Our company, that's something. <laughs> no, but like, uh, so I met Juha at uh, all the universities, uh, one of the big, uh, bigger universities here in Finland. And there's like a game development master's program there. So that's where we got together and started making games. And I think before Alto, I hadn't made games much, a little bit. I have like a bachelor's in computer science, so at the in the last year, I think we made like a couple of games there, and that's where it, it kind of took off for me. Oh, that's great! Did you um, at least go into it with a passion for gaming? Like, what made you kind of shift gears and really truly pursue game development? Well, yeah, games uh, have been a thing for me for a very long time. Again, not as long as you have. You have beat me. Oh, uh, come on! I start like. <laughs> <laughs> this is a competition. It is a competition, god damn it. <laughs> and I'm losing. No, like, uh, when I was in first grade, we got uh, 8-bit Nintendo and the most magical gaming experience, The Legend of Zelda, the original one. That was like, yes. That was it for me. It was like, actually, when I turned 40, Yuha, Yuha bought me the... I didn't own the game, but he got it somewhere on eBay, the actual, like... The, one, the, the golden card is with five screws and all the things inside. 
It's yeah, like not, not, like a <laughs> not three so, screws, but five screws. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I have, I have the, five. It means, it means it's the first edition, the very first edition. Yes. So basically, yeah, I'm like a. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, Zelda, what was your experience man. playing with the original Zelda? Sorry, once as soon as you mentioned Zelda, I'm going to go into it because I obviously, well, obviously, not that you'd know this. I was born after the original Zelda was made, not much long after, so I didn't get to play it till within the last few years. Now that I can go mm. back and play all these yeah. retro games, um, yeah. I loved it, but it was hard. You know, it's not like a lot of games today that uh, yeah. tell you what to do. Oh, so yeah, for sure. And I think like a lot of the 8 Nintendo games haven't aged as well as, say, Super Nintendo games, for instance. Like, yeah. Super Nintendo is more like it's closer to the era where pixel art kind of peaked. And then we started going into 3D with PlayStation 1 and so on. But like, so Super Nintendo games still, at least to me, look pretty cool. But like a lot of Nintendo games, they just look pretty crap. The colors are what they are. <laughs> I used to love them, obviously. And, and I'm not like dissing them or anything. But uh, yeah, I don't think. But, but like some, some of the Super Nintendo games, I think you could still like publish today and do just fine with those aesthetics. Yeah. So. I've also noticed, um, well, granted, now we're going into more of the kind of Game Boy type pixel uh, graphics, but I noticed that's become very popular too. Because when I was on the PAX show floor, there were a lot of games that kind of touted the the Game Boy like style uh, pixel mm, art, yeah. and I think that aged okay. I think it's okay. Um, but anyway, okay, I'm now. I'm rambling. Uh, Yuha, how about you? Your history behind game development and what got you to Miro Studios? Well. Well, I uh, before the Alt University, uh, I, I uh, was a level designer for three years in in, uh, in the game company here in Helsinki, and I was working on a AAA title called Rich Racer Unbounded, which was an interesting Ooh. project to be part of as a uh, as, as my first like real real job in in game industry, and and before that I got the bachelor in computer arts. Okay. And <clears throat> oh yeah, actually I was in the during that bachelor I was for one year in Scotland in in uh, Dundee. There was this dare to be digital uh, like student game making competition thingy during the summer that was actually also really really awesome experience oh, now, now i suddenly re like remember that one as well but yeah uh basically i also have like played games from very very like a from from a toddler or something because yeah i i have three uh, older brothers uh, who were you know uh, playing with this Commodore 64 magical machine, wow. and mm -hmm. I, I was there annoying them, uh, trying to crawl next to the joystick. Ah, let me play! <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I can I can imagine you know seeing those, especially on on Commodore 64. This <laughs> I'm not even saying the cra graphics are crappy; they are trippy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a lot of well, I mean. Was it like 16 colors you could have? and But four different colors at the same time. Mm -hmm. But there was like <laughs> weird loading screens and really trippy music with the seed chip and all that kind of 
magical stuff. But yeah, uh, since really, really super young, I was play, playing those games. And obviously because of my older brothers, they were like, you know, always showing me what's, what's the cool stuff and, you know, all that, all that kind of, and kind of grew up with that. And, and, and so, so. Well, that's, that's great. It's, it's nice to, you know, bond with, with family or something at a yeah. young age. Yeah, For exactly. me, I, I'm an, I'm an only child and my mom hated video games. She thought oh. they were an invention to make children stupid. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, but, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Yeah. No, it's uh, <laughs> like some people just aren't into video games. She just took it to here, but okay, I, okay. I was lucky because one of my older cousins lived with us for a little bit when he went to college and he played a lot of video games so one of my earliest gaming memories would be sneaking off to his room and watching him play a lot of nes games um all the way up through ocarina of time which again that's what got me into zelda and uh it you know not interest but the amount of time i spent with gaming has kind of gone up and down as you know i graduated from college and had a career but when I got back, uh, got with Boss Rush so I could be more involved with the community. And it's astounding what we can achieve with game creation. And, and for me, I believe video games are an art form and there's so many mm. different ways to express it. Um, what yeah. are some, are you guys playing any games right now? What have you, what have you been playing? Or have you been hard at work? Because I know release day is coming up, or I think it is. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, well. I haven't really had that much time at, at the very moment. Uh, well, <laughs> I have three small daughters at home and I have this oh. deadline coming. So no, not that much games right at the very moment for me. But yeah, I have an endless wish list, obviously, on, on Steam as everyone else. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's a uh, can't wait to <laughs> get, and get and, you know, start shortening that at least yeah. at, at some point yeah kim how about yeah. you is there anything that you're playing or you're a fan yeah, of in recent years like, yeah i'm trying to think like what's the sort of newest game that i'm playing because I, I get stuck with games a lot i just keep playing the same game like uh the one i play most is magic arena so magic the gathering i okay played way too much magic uh, kim is master in magic <laughs> well not nice. exactly but but yeah like it's it's a it's a habit i won't be able to shake off i think but the other one is a uh, hades oh, uh, such a good game. Playing that game yeah it's it's incredible can't wait for the second one. second one yeah, yeah. oh my nice very very nice if you want to be a Patreon producer, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Media, and find out which tier is right for you. Our Patreon producers at the $5 tier or higher for this month are Adriel Munger, Austin Campbell, Celeste Roberts, Christian S., Sana Dierig, Francisco Santillan, and Rebecca Jewell. Thank you for your continued support. Uh, well, shifting gears... Um... Let's talk about a day in the life of work for you, which I know is a kind of a general question because I'm sure it depends where in development you are with your project. Mm. But uh, let's just say like, a you know, m- months coming to your release date of a game. What What is a day in the life of a dev? 
Which one? Which one? Yeah. Oh, it's your turn. Well, oh, it's your you turn. Mean like, you mean like the, yeah, what happens every day? Well, it starts at 6 a.m. Uh, with my three year old daughter waking me up. And <laughs> then, then I take her to the kindergarten and, and, and uh, my partner Camilla stays with the twins, the one and a half year olds at home at the moment. And uh, then I take three-year-old to to kindergarten and I come here to the office which is a mess as you can see and then <laughs> and then and then I'm here till what is it at four o'clock mm-hmm. it's uh, trying to get the most out of it develop uh, what we still have time on Doomblade and uh, then I pick her up from uh, kindergarten have the family time and you know, <laughs> maybe when they are asleep, I come back here and do something. <laughs> it's been a, it's been quite a hectic time now these last weeks, but it's it's a it can be a lot of fun, even though a bit crazy. But that's the every day gotcha. during these during these like crunch uh, weeks. Okay. <clears throat> Do you guys work together in the same office space or you do all things kind of remote and just call or ping each other? Uh, mostly remote, but uh, I do. I mean, I'm not, I don't live far away from the office. The office is really close to where Yuha lives. That's how we mm-hmm. kind of set things up because he has the kids. Mm-hmm. So he really needed like a space away from home to work. Okay. So kind of I see. Up. It's like a five minute walk. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad. The office and for me, it's like five minutes by bus, so it's not. But bad. it's yeah, and it's really good that we can have also face to face like here and yeah, yeah. Especially the face. Yeah, especially the whiteboard is a magical place where. Is that where ideas are born? Yes, that's yes. the magic place. Yeah, but most of the time, when you Yuha is getting up and stuff. I'm hard at work sleeping. <laughs> then I sleep some more, and then I sleep some more, and then I, then I just get up, eat breakfast, and come to the computer. And oh, but you, but, but but you are the one who keeps uh, the game design ideas fresh by actually playing games at the moment because I just don't have that time. I don't know. I don't know what, what kind of someone has to do with Magic the Gathering. But like, uh, yeah, well, I don't think that's helping. But I think we have discussed this before because you have played so much the magic. I, I think that must have really helped for your like design ideas and how you you know come up with. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's kind of it helps with the game design brain for sure. Yeah. Nice. Well, you know what? I, I I keep skirting around the actual like big topic, so I'm just gonna go straight to it. So and I'm pulling it up now, so you know viewers can get uh, a good summary of it. So you guys are developing, putting your final touches, hopefully on Doomblade. And I'm just gonna read the the summary here because I don't want to butcher it. Deep underground, Gloom Girl discovers Doomblade, a sentient weapon hell bent on escape after eons and chains. Together, Doom and Gloom, I love that, embark on a vengeful quest. Unlock the powerful abilities and destroy the dreadlords once and for all in this 2D action metrovania. Metrovania, sorry, that's my fault. So I just want to start off with, again, I demoed this um, at PAX. I'm trying to remember 
if this was the one where I had the option to use an Xbox controller, but I will say like it, it clearly is more meant for a PC, or at least it definitely felt more intuitive and natural on like a PC mouse and everything. I, first of all, love the art style. Uh, however you guys came up with that, which I do want you to talk about, that's fantastic. And the the combat of which you control uh, Doom Girl is incredible and very buttery smooth. So, you know, with that intro, um, I'd like to just kind of get into the meat and potatoes of it. Tell me where the inspiration for the art design is and also gameplay. Like, how did you decide on that methodology of how the character moves and interacts with the environment? I know that was a lot. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just excited. That was a lot. Yeah. Well, since you asked about art first, I can let you have once again. But because Yuha is the one behind the art. But but <laughs> but if we if we go gameplay first, as we we do, then we should I guess we should go to the core of things why first. You, why are you making this so hard, Yuha? <laughs> well, if you insist, if you insist, I guess yeah, that's kind of how we think about it in the company's <clears throat> gameplay first. Yes. Hmm. That's kind of for sure, but this is like sounding like like you're making yourself less important than you are, Johan. That's, that's... I, I'm not. I just, that's so finished. Just, that's so finished. No, no, no. I want to have the how it all, and then there's the art, and it's. Oh yeah, okay, okay. So I'm building it up for you. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, like um, we had in our previous games uh, already experimented with these kind of new ways of combat. Uh, a design new kind of design within combat and movement in 2d platformers so we knew we wanted to do something like that we kind of came to the conclusion that this there's methods in these games are kind of under oh man man my english isn't working today uh oh it's okay like, i like mean it's, it's uh, the same it's it's too how can I say this in a positive way? Well, let's just put it this way. There's a lot of room for innovation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and we felt like we were doing something right with our previous game, so we wanted to do something bigger. No, I think that, that makes sense to me because uh, it, the the way you're able to attack and move through the environment is... is it, it relies a lot on pinpoint precision and it's fun. It makes me feel like I'm kind of floating here, there and everywhere. I know this is a completely different analogy, but like one of my favorite movies when I was younger was like crouching tiger, hidden dragon, just because the movement was always so fluid and you're just always, and I'm also a karate nerd, but um, obviously not like the same genre or anything, but the fact that you can maneuver your mouse and direct your character to slice through enemies, but continue moving on. It just felt very natural and intuitive. No, yeah, I, I'm, I'm like super happy that you came up with an analogy like that because, like, that's exactly what we were going for. Mm. That you have this freedom, and it, and yeah, I know what you're talking about the, and with the crutching uh, tiger and hidden dragon like that. That's kind of how I wanted it to feel. The inspiration wasn't really actually there. It was actually in uh, Attack on Titan because oh, mm-hmm. in that one they move freely with those. Uh, I wonder what you call those things. They're wires or whatever, but like, so they shoot these wires on Titans okay. and then they kind of fly through the air. So it's pretty similar. They can kind of fly through the air and do these melee attacks. Mm-hmm. So well, we wanted to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so, but the, but the concrete <clears throat> we're looking at is actually closer to it because we're not using wires. 
right kung fu, right kung fu actors presumably but yeah any any anyway you but, mentioned but yeah, yeah. um oh sorry no go ahead i was like you mentioned your previous games and i was going to ask about that so what i assume there was a lot of influence then from your first game or games it's the shadow bug the series right correct yeah yeah yeah, this is kind of a continu continuation for us that uh, in Shadowbug we were doing a lot with like uh, this kind of a simple core and just trying to see where just the core could take us without expanding it too much. But okay. there were a lot of limitations with that. So it's not like the game was like super big or anything. We're very proud of it and so on, but we really wanted to do something bigger and to expand on this kind of combination of combat and movement. So basically, in Doom Blade, the way it works is from the very get-go, you have this powerful ability that you try it out in packs that you can just click on enemies or with game bad aim on enemies and just push a button and you'll fly on to the enemy and attack them and defeat them. At least if it's a weak enemy, you'll defeat them. Right. <laughs> right so off the bat, what, but... what elements of Doom Blade make it a Metroidvania? Yeah, that's the um, having the dynamic of finding new power-ups that unlock <coughs> in a large interconnected world. Excellent. That's that's basically yeah, that's that's Metroidvania for you. Yeah, pretty pretty basic. But was there any inspiration as to why you went with that genre versus I don't know any of the many genres you can pick from? It's the best genre so there is. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's that's pretty much like it because, like, we both love the genre. And then one day we were thinking what we could do with this mechanic of ours. And we just started mm -hmm. talking about Metroidvania. And we had a whiteboard. And we were yeah. thinking, how could we work this mechanic into, like, a metroidvania what kind of abilities could we partially split it into and what kind of uh, abilities we could we use to expand it and then we just started putting ideas on the whiteboard and we noticed that it was like super easy to come up with the ideas it was and they sounded really cool nice. and also and, and also obviously like we really saw like as Kim said, there's a lot of room for innovation, and we had this new core game mechanic, and we love Metroidvania, and we were like, wow, okay, I think we really have something actually new in, in gameplay terms, and you know, and, and even even all the level design it has to be really unique, because the core game play is really unique and everything, so we really believe that we have created something actually like, you know, new way of playing for Metroidvania genre, so... We are really excited to see how the community is going to play it. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely a beloved genre. Um, I know it's pretty popular as well, but for you to bring you know, a fresh take to it um, definitely mm -hmm. should capture the audience. At least I certainly hope so. Mm -hmm. um, but now on to you, Yuha. Can you please tell me about kind of the inspiration and process of designing it? Because I'm bringing up pictures and, and screen sh um, short clips and stuff. And it's very colorful, uh, especially with lots of reds. Uh, just absolutely amazing design. I would love to know your creative process and how that was for you. 
Uh, well, unfortunately, I lost you in the very beginning, but I, I think I just got the main idea. So <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. I when I'm no, excited, it's, no, I can't ask. No, 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 no. I mean the internet connection or something. Yeah, the connection. Was, mm -hmm. There was a bit, but uh, uh, okay. Yeah, where to start? Hmm. I guess with the earlier game, Shadowbug, uh, we were trying a few different styles and we ended up making this black silhouette style. I guess mostly because it was fast to create. It was one of the main reasons why we, I think we took it, and but we also believed it was quite unique looking. Mm -hmm. But after the release and everything, I mean, it got like pretty good success in the in the size of it, uh, the, the game. But still, like afterwards, I think we realized that yeah, the black silhouette style wasn't really that unique or anything. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was a lot of uh, games with that style, <clears throat> more or less. But uh, with with Doomblade, when we in, in the very early stages of the project, when uh, we were uh, just planning the ideas and everything, and I was doing some like first concept art sketches, like how it should, how it could look and stuff. I, I think there was this strong, uh, like urge that it should look at least somehow unique. And, you know, obviously it was exciting, but also stressful for me, at least on that point, like, cause I, I remember in shadow, but there was this one background, I think I was like, uh, kind of the, in, in the forest. Uh, area of the game and that was somehow uh, painterly looking and I think that was kind of the idea also for this that okay it should I should I, I really want to try some sort of like hand-drawn and uh, how do you say is picturesque actually a word maybe <clears throat> like painterly hand-drawn look and yep. wh while searching for the style then yeah I was I was like searching for different, really like just searching for different type of brushes in Photoshop. And I found something that I really liked and I thought like, okay, uh, like how I created all the characters and environment pieces. I first draw it with the outlines and I found really nice feeling, uh, like pencil looking brush. It really looked like I would be drawing with an actual pencil on paper. And it also like it felt really nice and somehow like yeah this this looks cool and then just start adding color and yeah I don't know if like if there's any sort of magic thing it just came out of after a few tests and different brushes that I felt like okay this looks nice and something. Uh, I want to continue with and also obviously Kim liked the the because I made this one like three-headed dog creature it was kind of like what is it Kerberos with this kind of like robotic so it was this kind of cyborg Kerberos is that how you pronounce it in English maybe uh, but close yes yeah. Cerberus Kerberos yeah yeah, so yeah yeah anyway so it's <laughs> it, it was like uh because we knew there could be something evil, sci-fi, but still fantasy in Doomblade. I mean, it was a big mess in, in so early days, the vision. But I think 
that was some kind of like point when the art style got like made when I made that character because there was also really a lot of uh, the technicalities how I wanted to create uh, and animate the creatures in Doomblade and that also happened on that one. <clears throat> wow. Um, now with uh, Doom Girl and the Blade, did that those particular character creations after the trial and error was that born from the whiteboard? <laughs> were you guys just tossing ideas back and forth, or were you just designing and passing them along to Kim? Yeah, that's uh, the main character is a interesting story because for a long time we had something similar as the main character as in Shadowbug. Okay. This kind of ninja bug thingy <laughs> with the, but. Uh, at some some point, we started thinking more about the actual like branding, like the name of the game is Doomblade. So what would that actually mean in terms of visuals and lore and music and you know everything, all, all that like uh, artsy artsy stuff. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think. Did we did did we have Andrew already when we started planning Gloom Girl? No, I think we first made I think I think we first designed the character and then after our game writer Andrew actually made the name Gloom Girl and Gloomlings and all that uh, cool lore he came up with. But I think I got lost what we were actually talking about. No, it's okay. I just found the, the main character very interesting because, you know, when she gets the Doom Blade, there's obviously that thirst for revenge and stuff like mm. that. So part of me is starting to already think, oh my goodness, is this going to actually end up being bad? Like, is the blade going to, I don't know, like turn around and betray her or something's going to happen? So mm. it's a very interesting concept. I'm wondering if there's any consequences to their partnership throughout the game or maybe not a bad consequence. Maybe it's a good consequence and they grow together. So I'm sure you don't want to spoil it, but that leads to my question, you know, what, as the creators of this game, what's your number one or top things that you want players to get from this get from Doomblade. Do you Kim want to start this time? Well, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I feel like I might be repeating myself a little bit, but like I, I really just, for the main thing for me is to deliver a cool new way of playing Metroid Mini. So basically the core game mechanic, that's what I'm most excited about. That's what I want people to, from the very first fight, be like, like okay this is something different now you can mm-hmm. and hopefully that they'll be like mm, this is awesome and one of the things i also kind of want is that maybe in the first one fight they're gonna think like ah this game is so easy if you can just kill everybody like this but then when they get into say the next fight it's not gonna be that easy uh, oh, okay that's kind of i'm kind of hoping for reactions like that so for me it's kind of the biggest hopes are in the game mechanic stuff okay yeah well now i'm like super intrigued because i only got to play such a short amount of it now i'm I'm interested to see how the enemy difficulty or enemy type will change Um, (laughs) 
what's your ballpark like a uh, amount of gameplay hours you think would take an average player to complete Doomblade? That's a really hard question for us. Oh, okay. We yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I want you. Do you remember what QA said? Was it something I think like QA said something from twelve to fifteen hours? They their first playthrough. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. But I mean, it surely depends a lot on the player. Like, mm. if you are really, you know, you know how Metroidvanias go, or yeah. if you are, if you are a hardcore gamer, I think it can be faster, obviously. Yeah, but, but then then again, on, it, the, on the other hand, like if yeah. you really are into Metroidvanias, it can also take longer because then yeah. you have Metroidvania way of playing, which is like every corner needs to be explored. Yeah, exactly. Like every goddamn secret. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that hundred percent yes. needs to be done. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, just trying to think. We're covering a lot of ground already. Um, well, again, I want to bring uh, PAX back into it. Was this the first time your games have been displayed at PAX, or has this been? Have you been have your games displayed at PAX before? Like, how was that experience? Uh, well, unfortunately, we, uh, uh, the developers, like we, we, I mean, me and Kim, uh, mm-hmm. we didn't have the chance to be at PAX, so because we were just super busy this whole spring developing every everything we just can with the with the time we have. So the publisher was was there showing showcasing yep. the, the, the Doomblade for us at PAX, but we 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 were with our last game. Uh, at PAX, it was like in 2006. Yeah, yeah. And there was, it was, uh, yeah, I was there alone with uh, with Shadowbug, and it was an interesting thing to have for three days. But uh, yeah, fortunately, there was this kind, like, staff people who actually, you know, I just asked them, could you please check my, that nobody takes my, computers or whatever i can i can go and have a have a break or something it was uh, mm-hmm. they're really like helpful and kind people they're helping so it was actually pretty okay but obviously three days uh, talking with so many people it's a uh, it's a uh, it's uh, it's a lot <laughs> yeah um so yeah your publisher brought that to pax east it's I- iceberg right iceberg games when the event was over, did they bring back any feedback to you? How does that work when, you know, working with Iceberg? Yeah, I think they said, like, that most of the people who played it were really excited. And also what we were super happy to hear was about the gamepad controls, because that's something really new in the game project that happened, like, in the beginning of this year. And obviously we are really stressed because, you know, it was, the game was designed like on, on the mouse and keyboard, but mm-hmm. now we were like, <clears throat> suddenly we got the opportunity that there was a guy who was good in designing gamepad things and it came out super nice. And, and, it, and, you know, we got, at least we think we got the feeling good, but obviously we have no idea, like if people are going to enjoy it or not, but then we got the feedback from PAX, from Iceberg, that, you know, people who want to play with Gamepad, uh, Metroidvanias, they also, like, love the Gamepad, so... That's was, that's uh, good feedback to hear, because yeah, exactly. 
I tried both, and I'll admit, like, if I had to pick the two, mouse and keyboard mm -hmm. felt better. But yeah. at, at home, I don't have that. I have a Steam Deck, but I don't have mm -hmm. a gaming PC. So the fact that, you know, if you guys were to pursue the, the console version of it, it's nice to know, like, I'll still be able to play Doom Blade, even though I don't have a mouse and keyboard. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and to be honest, after playing it uh, with mouse and keyboard, it, it felt super awesome to be able to, you know, sit on the couch and play it on yeah. the screen, and it actually feels awesome. So it's, uh, I, I, I'm like super happy that we have those both, and they yes, yes. Feel, feel really smooth. Absolutely. <laughs> um, speaking of conventions, I believe Gamescom is late summer. Is it in Germany? I think I'm trying to see where yeah, it's going to be this year. Yeah, in Köln. Köln. Yeah, it's there. Are you guys going to that one, or going to have your game displayed there? We were actually last year. I okay. don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. Are we going this year as well? We'll see. Okay. Well, again, that that goes with the time period. So why don't you just tell me, like, is the official release date set in stone for Doom Blade? Because I know Steam, the Steam page says May thirty first. Yes, yes, it, it's gonna happen soon. Oh my gosh, yeah! Like, so at the date of this recording for our listeners, it's May nineteenth. So yeah. we. Now we, I'm not sorry. I talk like I'm helping you make the game. You guys. Um, You're already part of the team. Yes, <laughs> I'm cheering you on. Um, nice. So I, I, I'll admit, it, it must feel stressful, right? The, the last bit of weeks. But what, what are you guys doing now at this point? Is it QA? Are you working with QA a lot? Or is it like, what, what's, what's the crunch now? There's a lot of Polish. Uh, polish stuff. so so like all the critical stuff has been dealt with and now the majority of the stuff is just yeah smoothing those edges mm -hmm. uh, and you know obviously there's infinite amount of uh, little edges we could smooth out but you know yes. there's this uh, like prioritizing is really like something we have to do all the time with because uh, there's obviously so many things we would still like to have or do and but you know the time time is now to just try to polish something that we still can okay is the idea of maybe dlc in the cards or are you kind of like you're one and done with your games well certainly not one and done uh, we already had like a couple of ideas for like uh, up on updates we want to do for the game, which mm -hmm. aren't going to be a, a paid DLC. When it comes nice. to paid DLC, we haven't yet uh -huh. planned that far, but it's certainly like a possibility. We'll have to see how things go. Mm -hmm. I mean, first we have to, <laughs> we're focusing on all the stuff we want to do on the post release right. update. So. But yeah, I, I, it's not going to be like we just shove it in on Steam at the end of this month and then never touch the uh, game project again. Okay. All right. That was going to be my next question. So for now, and forgive me if I missed this information, is the May 31st release going to be strictly on Steam slash PC and then maybe consoles at a later date? 
yeah, we would love to have the game on 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 consoles, but yeah, that's something we need to figure out after the after right. the PC release and how things go and you know all all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, we'd love to have it on on consoles as well. Okay. Um, I kind of uh, one more question to kind of round everything out, and it's one of my side questions because it's fun. As a, a fan of indie games, I love supporting them, especially if they have the opportunity to go physical, which I know this isn't part of the discussion, but this is just a like a hypothetical, like a question mm. for fun. If you had the opportunity to create a physical in the future for your games like Doom Blade, what would be your ideal like collector's edition? Would it be like a Doom Blade like plushie with Doom Girl being a stuffy pins an art book? I personally would love to see an art book, but I want, like... it, I want it all. I want it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the one thing I want with that like would really fit this game is that it would come with some kind of a blade, and uh, <sighs> I mean, it could be like a foam blade or something, so they actually beat people with it or something. <laughs> That it doesn't hurt, but it yeah. Would be fun. yeah. So maybe some kind of a foam blade would be nice. Foam blade, or I know the Tears of the Kingdom for Zelda. Sorry, Zelda again. In but Japan only, there's like a replica of the decayed blade, and it lights up. And I'm like, oh my gosh! So imagine having the Doom blade on display, and it lights up. Yeah, oh, that yeah, would be yeah. Insane. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. But, well. Yeah. Um, let me just kind of get this uh, summary back around. So for, again, everyone that's listening, um, thank you, Kim and Yuha at Miro Studios. You guys are working with Iceberg Games for Doomblade. Uh, again, it's a 2D um, action Metroidvania that will be coming out on Steam May 31st at when this gets published, I believe the game would have just released. This will probably come out the first weeks of June and we'll keep you posted, you guys. Uh, so if anyone loves in um, unique gameplay, a striking visual art style, and Metroidvania, or all the above, you know, I recommend checking this game out. If you can't get it right away, at least wishlist it. I've also learned that just simply wishlisting a game is very important for the developers yes. and publishers on Steam. Uh, so I myself make a conscious effort to wish list, even though I might know I might buy the game anyway. Um, actually, oh, one more question: Do you know if this will be Steam Deck compatible? Since it is Steam, yes, it is Steam Deck compatible. Yes. Hey, there right, will be more then... information about this and, later. And, and and because of the gamepad compatibility, it's actually playable on Steam Deck from the yes. get go as you would be playing with the gamepad, but with Steam. That's right. Oh, so perfect. So I'm really glad you guys were able to work out gamepad controls. So I'm very much looking forward to playing it on my Steam Deck. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, sorry you. for the technical difficulties in the beginning, but again, no I you know, Doomblade was one of the games that stuck out to me from PAX, so I... Uh, was diligent about trying to track you guys down to have the opportunity to get to know uh, you guys and, and just say you've done great work. I wish you a most successful launch. Um, you know, if, you there's so ever, you if there's ever a time down the line you want to do a quick chat with us to promote your game or anything like that, let me know. But until then, would you like to share with the audience either where people could find either you or your studio? Um, any future fans? 
where can people find you? I think I think the best place to find us right now is on Steam under Doomblade. I mean, that's where we want people to be at. So <laughs> yeah, get to Steam and check out Doomblade. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. That's the place to be. That's the place to be. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And provide feedback that we want physical copies and collector's edition. I want a foam sword <laughs> and an art book. Oh yeah, and Blue Girl and and uh, all those. What was the what was the name of the leggy ball character? Do you remember Kim? The Wine Walker. Wine Walker was the oh yeah the name of that funny creature <laughs> that you cut its legs with Doomblade and all that fun stuff. Oh man, I can't wait! Is that uh, just a different enemy, or is that a boss? It's just a random cute ball with long legs that you can cut. It's hard. <laughs> oh I my god! It. I need that plush. It's a... yes. <laughs> Maybe make his legs like magnetic. So exactly. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that sounds absolutely delightful. I'm looking forward to seeing that enemy and your bosses too. I can't wait to see what you guys do with bosses with that gameplay. So. Yeah, it's great. It's super interesting to see. All right. Well, thank you again. Uh, again, this is Stephanie from the Boss Rush Network here uh, doing 1v1. Everybody have a great day. Bye. Have a good one. Cheers. 1v1, the creator interview series, is a product of Boss Rush Media LLC and part of the Boss Rush Podcast Supplemental Podcast. This show is hosted by Celeste Roberts. You can also hear interviews from other Boss Rush Media members on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at FairyCrypt. To get updates on the latest episodes, follow the Boss Rush Podcast, Boss Rush Media, and Boss Rush Network on all major social media platforms, or subscribe to the Boss Rush Podcast feed in your favorite podcast application. Join the Boss Rush Network Discord and Facebook groups to interact with other friends and fans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.